I said to him, I would never want investors. I want to own 100% of my thing, you know? And he's like, the day that you need investors will be the day that you go, I'm okay with this. He's like, you're going to know it. It's going to come to you. And I'm not even going to tell you why, but it's going to come to you. And I guarantee it comes to you in the next two years. And I said, okay. Welcome to the Picture of Wealth, or TPOW as we call it. I am your host, Dustin Service. Listener, I'm excited to have Jay Hall on the show today. Jay is the owner, leader, chief strategist, chief idea guy of Sync Digital Solutions. Now, don't be confused by the name. He's got a great company. They do a lot of event marketing, but this guy has a story. He's got nooks and crannies and twists and turns. In the time that we've known each other, uh, he's always surprising me. So Jay, I know that uh, we're going to have an exciting journey today. Thanks for coming on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. I love talking about the twisted world of entrepreneurship. <laughs> so you put on events. That's a stressful business in itself, but there's a bit of a story with you and Barack Obama. Is that true? Yeah, that's a true story. So the Coles notes of it is I was actually in Vegas to work on a TV show about events and nightclubs. And during the day, nobody's awake in that industry. So uh, some canvassers knocked my door and said, who are you voting for? I said, well, I can't vote. I'm Canadian. And they said, well, do you want to help? I said, sure. I got nothing to do during the day. That ballooned into me being the event coordinator for Las Vegas. I met all the principals. I spent 44 minutes in a green room with Bill Clinton, you know, and everybody, Biden, all of them. But the second time Barack came to Vegas before the, this is, I think eight days before the election, I was supposed to run the grandstand. So I was supposed to put the right people behind Obama while he was talking. Okay. And it just quickly became nobody showing up to do their job. So it became like six of us running a 130,000 person rally on one of the hottest days Vegas has ever experienced, of course. <laughs> right. So now I go back to my roots of throwing club parties. I went across the Walmart. I grabbed a bunch of super soakers and I'm shooting people with ice cold water because everybody's just dying of heat. So the host didn't show up. The person was supposed to introduce Brock. And so the advanced team member, that's the person that kind of leads the team on the ground, came up to me and said, you have experience on the mic, you go and introduce them. That was like five minutes before he showed up. I'm fairly certain I had a heart attack, but the adrenaline was like, yeah, I got to do this. this is awesome. I can't <laughs> wait to do this. He arrived in the motorcade, uh, you know, did the introductions and then he's backstage. He's got Eminem on. He's pumping himself up, shadow boxing, right? <laughs> so I go up on stage and I have to introduce him. And it was supposed to be an elderly woman who uh, was one of the first minority female voters in Nevada history who was supposed okay. to introduce him. I'm the exact opposite of that person. <laughs> so I just kind of said some stuff. I have no idea. And uh, it seemed to work. It hyped them up. I introduced him. He came on stage. I went to fist bump him. I totally missed the fist bump and stumbled. And he turned to me, he looked at me like, really? Really? And he made fun of me for having pineapple on pizza the last time I saw him. So I felt like I was on a real big roll here. I walked off stage and I dropped to my knees and I just, all the energy left my body, right? Because it was all being cooped up for this. And he did his thing and it was a successful rally, but it was, it was stressful. Oh, it was a stressful. Oh yeah. Well, you're lucky you didn't get jumped. They thought you were taking a swing at him or something. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't put a fist out to the future president of the United States. That's probably a good thing to say. Yeah. When I think of like, you know, I look at your business, I think event management, planning, we've put on events on a very small scale compared to what you're used to in our own firm, but it's stressful. You commit to the date because you have to pick a goalpost and then you commit to maybe some speakers. You're excited about the content or you're excited about sort of the vision. And then you send the invite out and then you wait and the fingers crossed. And, you know, I've, I've found it when doing events, it's either really slow adoption at the start or really a lot. And then you got to start panicking. I'm so curious about this business because how do you manage that stress or is it just time and chair time? Uh, to give you a little background, I've hosted over a thousand events. I have put together my personal stamp has gone on 13 nightclubs and I got really burnt out after being in the bars six nights a week and doing events and everything. So I went to the software, the service side. I also do still do the occasional event, especially out of extreme Halloween experience that people have been multiple years. They now wear Depends to come to my event. The first thing as an event coordinator and as an entrepreneur, because you got to think you have both hats on at all times, right? As the event planner, you have to accept the chaos. You have to accept there will be chaos. You have to accept that there are people that will not take it as seriously as you, and they will not show up like the Barack Obama rally. I've had that happen almost every event, some key person just is like, I'd rather sleep in or I'd rather go to a game or whatever, I'd rather play games than work. So you have to be ready for it and in a peaceful place with that chaos before it even starts. If you can't get there before you even post the event, don't do the event because now you're just gonna be stressed out until the last person leaves the venue. So that's the first thing as an entrepreneur though, while I'm accepting the chaos, I'm doing my best to create structure. So what I will generally do is I will say, okay, I'm running the show. Here's the people I want to run the different, what we'll call divisions or departments of the event. Here's what I want them to do. But I have a secondary list, which says, what if none of them show up? How do I handle that? And I figure out how I could do everybody's job if nobody showed well, making sure the experience is still good for people. Now, of course, there's a give and take there, but that's how I came to do it. I mean, in the beginning, I knew nothing. I started throwing events when I was 15 years old. My first show, I lost $25,000 and I was a teenager. I had no idea what I was doing. And my second show though, I, I never lost after that. Every show I did, good attendance, everything worked. And it was because of those principles. What is the model of a good show? There's five tiers to a good show. The first is, good customer experience from the time that they find out about your show till the time they walk away from your show. The second piece to it is the good experience for the people that are entertaining or educating the audience, making sure that both of those feel like they had a great experience from the time that it starts to the time it ends, because it's so much easier when everybody feels excited and happy. Um, the yeah. third piece of it is when you're looking at the marketing of it, you have to have to have a component right out of the gate of influence. You can't throw an event and be like, well, I think this is a good idea. Maybe people are gonna come. You're shooting yourself in the foot. You need to have a center of influence. So like when I opened up Mystique, the nightclub, my center of influence was my bartenders. I put them in all the videos launching. We did a lot of comedy stuff. We had like this super sexy ad where the women were, the fan was blowing on them. And at the end we had one of my like 
really just out of shape bartenders. His shirt's wide open. He's got flowing hair. And, he, it's just, and we're like, oh, this isn't exactly what you're going for, is it, right? On your weekends. And people love that stuff, right? So it was the first bar I'd ever worked with or I ever heard of where people came and were like, I'm here for this bartender. I want to know this bartender. I want to put this bartender through college. That was really cool. The fourth piece to a great event is operationally, you better have everything down to the minute. Once you get away from your time by like 10, 15 minutes, the whole thing is going to collapse. You have to make sure you have a schedule and you're ready to cut things out of that schedule if you're not on time. Let's say I had 10 speakers in an event. Two of those speakers are expendable and I make sure they know it. And I say, I'll catch you back around. If I have to cut you, we'll figure out something for the future. But just so you know, and they understand it. And it's always, they're always appreciative because it's usually more bottom they usually start off shows they're working their way up yeah in the middle it's like if i have to cut i can so they're getting more profile out of it if they get to present and then the, the fifth thing which i think in general is probably the most important is the follow-up after the show because your next show is going to be exactly the same worse or completely terrible if you don't listen to your audience about what that last show was like and i've seen that with endless events they're like, oh, I'm doing my thing. I'm doing my thing. Everybody loves us. Everybody loves us. And their attendance starts slipping. And they're like, well, I don't understand why the attendance is slipping. I had this one concept I put together called Party Rock Fridays. Uh, we did Party Rock Mondays in Vegas at Marquee. Then Party Rock Fridays in Winnipeg, where I'm from, a serial nightclub. First night, we were, the big draw was, you know, crazy party, but also one person in the night got a chance to either get a trip to Vegas for two or $1,000 cash. And they made that choice on the floor. We had dancing penguins and craziness happening, but that was the crux of it. First night we did 2,800 people, which was 2,000 more people than we expected. And then the second night we did 12. And I'm like, what is happening? Wait, why are we people? I forgot to check with people as to whether they liked the experience or not. And it turned out it was so over the top that they were like, I can't do that every weekend. (laughs) I'll never survive, right? So we cut it to a monthly and then it worked. As a 21-year-old, uh, that would be 20 years ago for me, clubber, what are the mechanics of a nightclub? What are the numbers? Listener, you're an entrepreneur. You've got your business. It's likely not this. This is a very unique business. But what is a good nightclub generating on a nightly basis? Is that even quantifiable with the amount of cash and all the transactions? Yeah, it's, is it quantifiable officially? Probably not. <laughs> By the way, you've aged gracefully. I'll say that. Oh, yeah. Sure. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I'll give you actually an example. I have a friend that runs uh, one of the largest clubs in Canada. And pre-COVID, his average per head was $26 per person. Hmm. So you do a couple thousand people in a night, right, on a room rotation. And whatever that number comes out to be, that's what he was making. He is now doing 4,000 people rotating at an average of $165 a head. Do we have to do the math there? So four, four times 165, 16, 32, 64. Wow. Yeah, it's big money. Nightclubs can be really great money, but the problem is they're generally structured wrong. And the reason I say that is you always need more people than you think you're going to need because you get so quickly burnt out. Like when I ran nightclubs, I would get up at 8 a.m., I would be at work by 11. I would then work until 3.34 in the morning. 
go home, probably fall asleep around six or seven, get up again at 8 a.m. I'd be like six nights a week. No human body can sustain yeah. that. My brain was even, I was getting to the point, I don't know if you know this, but if you drink a lot of Buckley's or NyQuil or whatever, it actually, it can lower your IQ. Hmm. Um, so I realized, I'm like, this is actually giving me that same effect. My IQ is getting lower the further I go with this. So then you hire an assistant manager, but they don't do it the way you do it. And then, you know, you got to jump back in there. I think the most successful nightclubs in this world have a big group of owners, 10, 15 owners. Everybody knows what everybody does. They all agree to take their specialty items. Let's say your Saturdays, your Fridays, your Tuesdays, whatever it might be, and break it up that way. But what a lot of us have forgot, I forgot this countless times. What a lot of us forget is nightclubs are concepts like human beings. The second they're born, they start dying. As grim as that is, geez, that yeah. they die really quick. They have a very short life cycle. You have to keep them fresh. So one club I opened, we did weekly themes. We had the world's largest pillow fight. You know, we had shower parties, we, everything we could throw at it. And it kept the lifespan. So the average night, nightclub lifespan in our city used to be about two years. It kept that club to six years. It's pretty good. You know, we all made our money and we all had our fun and all that. But I, I do believe that there are some nightclubs outside of LA and Vegas that can last a lifetime. It's just whether you can find the group of people that have the stamina to be able to pull it off. I don't know. I haven't met a group like that yet. <laughs> man, 15 partners. Holy man. We do lots of partnership, financial planning and business planning. And it that's two partners is a challenge, let alone 15. And if they're not equals, uh, yeah, yeah, it's tough. I'll say this. When I decided I didn't want to be in nightclubs anymore, I was doing a lot of VIP operations. That's where my specialty ended up landing, making people feel like they're a million bucks kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of those clients, those VIP clients, they ran businesses and they would come in, they'd say to me, how did you do that video? How did you do that campaign? Can you do that for me? So I, that's my switch into marketing in general. But I learned very quickly, I was not a business person when I was in nightclubs and I was not equipped for the real world. I failed so hard in the first six months after I left um, because the rules are different. It's like being on another planet. You know, there's a lot of cash. There's a lot of weird relationships happening. It's like the only industry where it's okay for everybody that from the CEO down to the janitor to all sleep together. And it's just, yeah. it's a totally different world. I had to really shake it off. It took me about six months to finally say, okay, I, I need to adjust to the real world now. It's totally different. My brain is going all over the place, but I think <laughs> of like going to Vegas, been there multiple times and the cabana parties, VIP, like I'm thinking of like a cake concert that was at our hotel. It was like, you wanted to be in the booth and pay however many thousands to go there. How do you think people justify that experience? Or is it just, they make decisions on the fly that this is gonna be super important. I'm gonna pay 25,000 for four bottles of Grey Goose and a cabana closer to the band. So nobody thinks it's important <laughs> <laughs> right now. Did you ever watch The Sopranos? I know about it, but I've never watched it. Okay. So there's an old episode that really got to me and they were going into a recession and Tony Soprano comes in and he's like, oh, 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 we're making all this money. And one of the guys, one of the newer guys to their crew is like, oh, it's a recession. And Tony looks at him just so sternly and he says, tell him the thing. And one of his older Capitan says to him, he goes, 
there's two things in this business that are recession proof, arting and entertainment, because people <laughs> will drink when they're happy and they'll drink when they're sad. And that's the way that goes, right? And I was like, oh, that's actually very interesting. I think everybody has their own individual reasons for why they do it. I have friends that do it because they're huge introverts and they don't know how to get women. And the fastest way to get the attention of beautiful women in a nightclub is to have a cabana with a bunch of alcohol. Yeah. Is it the right way to find your life partner? Probably not. <laughs> um, but do you get a little high off of it? You know, you get, yeah, your dopamine hits and you feel great. There. And I have met some people that have actually found some decent relationships out of it, you know, but a lot of it has to do with being extremely happy or extremely sad. Right. So going out and celebrating or going out and drowning your sorrows either way it's probably smarter for the happy people to do it because they probably have the money to spend um, but that's usually why people will do it the best bottle service the girls in the world they will find out the answer to that question in the first 30 seconds when they meet the person why are they here and the second you know why they're there you know whether to be high pressure sales you know how to work it right that's a huge piece of the nightclub business is figuring out why people are there could you put on courses for teaching like uh, nightclub staff on uh, upsales or is that a natural thing that bar staff just already know how to sell someone? Uh, and maybe Vegas is a bad example, but just in general. Vegas is like the, it's the craziest example of everything in nightlife, right? Or anything in the world, right? If you think about it, like go to a Golden Knights game and then go to win a big Jets game and tell me which one you're going to have a better time at. There's no comparison, right? I don't know if you're a baseball fan. If you are, I apologize. I can't stand it. It's so boring, but I guarantee you, I'm going to go to an A's game when they get the field there. And it's going to be the, one of the greatest experiences of my life. That's how Vegas does it. But in, in terms of your question, there's, you have to be charismatic to be in nightclubs. So that's the natural part of it. If you have charisma, it also helps if you're a beautiful human being, whether you're a guy or a female. Honestly, I know some women that are bottle servers in Vegas that they buy more houses just to put their cars in because they have no idea what to do with their money anymore. You know, it's just bananas money. They're walking away with like 30, $40,000 American at night. They need a financial platter probably. Yeah. Yeah. They do. <laughs> they absolutely do, but they don't see that right out of the gate. Right. So they spend on yeah. cars. But the other part is to events and nightclubs, there is an education piece that a lot of people don't realize. I think like most things, right? Like I, I'm a pretty late bloomer. I went through most of my life, not understanding. Oh, wait, I have to learn the thing I want to do. I can't just do it. Oh, yeah, this makes things easier, right? So that's one piece of Incredivent, our event management and our VIP management system that we have. It's a SaaS. Um, we're currently building it out where it's a total resource hub. So you'll be able to find courses on how to run events properly, how to approach upsell, like what you're talking about with bottle service. Yeah. Um, you'll be able to find promoters in your area that can be, that can help move sales for you, those sorts of things. And that, that's a big piece to what I want to do because ultimately my goal is to, at some point in the next couple of years, launch a social network off of this framework that is made for people that love events and music and that sort of thing. And it's a positive community where event planners aren't seen as competition because Facebook, Twitter, all of them, they see events as competition because when you go to an event, this thing usually goes into your pocket and you have a good time, right? So I, I want to merge those two experiences together. And I think having resources for event planners and, and nightclub people to learn how to do the job better is a huge key to that. There's something I want to come back to, which was the influencers and also, uh, you know, what it's like to raise capital, maybe take your business, scale it up, 
why are you doing that? Or what's the idea there? And if, you know, for what you can share uh, with listener, that's not confidential, let us in the trap door uh, of Jay Hall of what's kind of going on right now. So I've been a big bootstrap guy my whole life. I've had small exits on four companies and I've always kind of been an entrepreneur slash entertainment guy. I have this mentor, his name is Damon. You ever watched uh, Billions? Yeah. So he's, what was her name? The psychologist that hypes him up and gets, I can't never remember her name. Um, I can't remember. I can see your face. Yeah. yeah, He's her to Adobe. And he's my mentor. He said to me one day, he goes, I said to him, I would never want investors. I want to own hundred percent of my thing, you know? And he's like, the day that you need investors will be the day that you go, I'm okay with this. He's like, you're going to know it. It's going to come to you. And I'm not even going to tell you why, but it's going to come to you. And I guarantee it comes to you in the next two years. And I said, okay. So one night I got home from the office and I went out on my balcony. It was, it was late. And I was just thinking the day through and going, man, we need to grow faster and we're doing really well but we need to do better. I want to take on Ticketmaster. I don't want to be like, oh, Ticketmaster is, you know, they have 80% of the market share and we can't do anything about, no, I want to take them on. So man, how am I going to do this? Ah, the moment, right? So I called Damon, middle of the night, right? And I said, I'm going for investors. He's like, you couldn't grow fast enough for your dreams, right? And I said, yes. And you have proof of concept? Yes. Okay, great. So it took me a while to really figure out that world. It's a very intense world, uh, the investment world and getting investment. Um, and actually my first attempt at investment was not long ago. It was May. I joined a uh, competition that's here in Manitoba. I got to top 10. Everybody expected us to be top five or winners. I mean, everybody came up to me all the time like, oh, you crushed the pitch. It's amazing. Oh, you're going to be, you're going to be great. We didn't make top five. It was yeah. crushing. Honestly, I thought we were there. And at the same time, the government program that we had signed up with, the government kiboshed it. We were 15 days away from getting like $300,000 from them. Uh, and a major event we're supposed to launch on our platform that drastically changes our financials was delayed a month. This all happened in one day. So I'm like, oh my God, this is the worst day ever. You know, I didn't know what to do with myself. So I decided. I'll never take money. You know, a lot, a lot of people do the first round as friends and family. It feels icky to me. Yeah. I don't know. Something about it. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. And if you do it, great. All the power to you. I didn't come from wealth or anything. I came from very, very, very limited means. But I've made a lot of friends that know people. So I just started contacting everybody in the States. And I said, there's more money there. Here, it's a fight. Can you introduce me to anybody that would be interested? Within... 10 hours, I think it was, eh, no, six hours. In six hours, I was on the phone with a major fund talking to them and they said, you know what, we're feeling this out. We need your data room. And that's one thing that people need to realize. If anybody on your show doesn't know what a data room is, contact me. I will let you into one of them. And it, because this investor actually just got back to me last night and said three things. One, we want to invest. Bam, awesome. Two, the business plan was very well written. And three, the data room is the best data room they've ever seen. And they said they've talked to $100 million companies that are trying to scale to a billion that don't have well-structured data rooms. They yeah. were blown away. So, you know, 
it's interesting because that pitch contest is what got me the good data room, which got me into this money. Uh -huh. right? I think of everything as a learning experience, as I'm sure you do too, and most entrepreneurs do. At least if you want to be a quality entrepreneur, you probably need to think of everything as a learning experience. In 2016, I broke my back. I was paralyzed. It took me two and a half years to recover. I just recover. My major event goes. I decided to take out a really gigantic loan to grow it even more because I turned away 78,000 customers. A fire breaks out in the warehouse. All my assets go up in smoke. The insurance was fake that we were paying for. Lose everything. I managed to put together a, not really an investment deal, but a really great deal with my bank. And they're like, yep, yeah, March 2020, we'll give you the money. Go. What happens? <laughs> right? So I've been rolling with the punches for a very long time, but 2023 has been a really great year and I'm very excited for the future. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that you had talked about it and you said, uh, take your business from a hundred million to a billion. It makes me think of Alex Hermosi. I don't know if you know him, but uh, he's, I think yeah. he's 10 million to a hundred million. That's his thing. And he's on absolute wildfire right now. Are you, uh, are you familiar with him? I am familiar with him. One of our major clients, uh, Warrior Studios out of Las Vegas, it's the largest virtual and hybrid studio in the world. Mm. Beautiful facility tens of millions of dollars put into it. They're doing a show. Alex is doing a show at that studio in August um, where the event goes up next month. And uh, I'm going out to Vegas and I'm going to get to meet Alex and uh, very nice. excited. When I got the email that the event was happening, I was actually reading the book for the fifth time. So I just saw yes. acquisition.com. I didn't read the whole email. And I, I called Larry. I'm like, Larry, can I swear? I don't even know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Larry, don't fuck with me, man. I was like, oh, yes, this is so exciting. What's the studio? Like, what's it's a virtual is a virtual reality or so it, they can handle unlimited audience sizes virtually. Ah, if you get a chance, look it up. It is an incredible it's like Tony movie. Robbins stuff where you got all the screens and it's like little micro people. He's th that's the studio. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the studio. They're big in that community, that motivational community and everything. I yeah. went to an event. The first event we did with them, I went to it. It was in April this year, actually. And they had a 97-year-old Holocaust survivor there um, who went up and she talked about how she was in the gas chamber ready and they were turning it when the British infiltrated. Oh, God, that's dramatic. Wow. Can you imagine? I was like, whoa. So they throw these really cool events with these great guests. And, What's it called? Uh, the studio again? Moray Studio. W-O-R-R-E. Uh, Eric and Marina Rore are the owners. Larry is the president. Larry was involved Very cool. Beats by Dre and Gap and all these companies. Just a lot of great people to know. And, and Oh, amazing. yeah. It's like crazy screen. It's like, so for listener, if you can't see a screen, but it's like, I've got my computer up. It's a wraparound. Basically, I don't know how you describe that. Like a stadium of people's faces on virtual uh, things. I'll, I'll definitely look that up more. Well, the way they uh, do it, the jib, camera jibs and everything, it's like your front row to the event all the time. And the, yeah. the, you know, like if you were speaking, you could be like her and blow her up big on the screen and start talking to her, right? It's really cool, man. I, I, I love it. I think it's the future of events for sure. Oh, I, I love it. Uh, Jay, we got to do a part two at some point, I'm sure maybe after the summer when you're back from some of these events, where can people find you and uh, follow along with your journey and business wisdom? I spend most of my time on LinkedIn. So just look up Jay Hall on LinkedIn. I'm pretty sure I'm the only one. J-A-Y-H-A-L-L. I am currently bouncing between videos on business successes and business fails. So my last one I posted was about how I 
stuffed all this money from an event in the trunk of my car and then it all ended up in the garbage and flying in the air and everything so that was a fun story to tell i like to just be raw about it i also have a tiktok called entrepreneur honest entrepreneur put together i just do that for fun really it really is just a brain dump at the end of the day i don't have a lot of followers on it i do it just to get the stuff out of this head right those would probably be the two best places our ticketing and our event management and vip management platform is called incredivent.com but that's pretty much the places to find me i don't really know how but somehow i get back to everybody so it might take me a couple of days but if somebody wants to reach out, I'll for sure get back to you. No problem. Jay, thanks a lot for coming on the Picture of Wealth today. No problem. Thanks, Evan. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you enjoyed the show, please like and rate the show, share with a friend, or use your new knowledge in your next conversation. If during the show something gave you a pang of inspiration, motivation, or sense of uncertainty, act on it now. Get the clarity you're looking for. Find the permission you seek. Go to servicewealth.com to discover how others are learning how to take Fridays off or buying a recreation property, or spending more money. If you're an organizer of an event where you believe my philosophy on finance and lifestyle design would be applicable, go to servicewealth.com and book me as a speaker at your next event. If you want a copy of our new book coming out soon, send me a message on Instagram or Facebook, and we will be sure to get you a first copy. 